I thought before uh, I launch into the message for today, just a couple of kind of comments or words of encouragement, hopefully, uh, regarding the events of the past week. I don't know about you, but my heart's been pretty heavy about the things that have been happening in our country. And, and uh, Minneapolis and Dallas and Louisiana are just kind of the latest symptoms of kind of a growing darkness, it seems to be. Um, and how are we as respond- followers of Jesus Christ, uh, if we're called to be salt and light in the world, if we're to be people of love and grace and truth, how are we to respond to what's going on in our country? Well, first and foremost, obviously, we're to be people of prayer, right? We are to pray for God's healing and reconciliation and wisdom and truth to reign. We are to pray for our leaders, obviously, that God would grant them wisdom and discernment. Obviously, we are to pray for those who have been hurt most directly by these tragedies. And in all things, we are to demonstrate the love of Christ, whether it's face to face or in conversation. Certainly on social media, it's amazing what you see on social media sometimes, how people will respond and say things that they would not say to somebody's face. We are to demonstrate God's love in all scenarios, in all avenues of communication. Uh, And obviously, we are to point people to the reconciling love of Jesus Christ. Last and finally, but most importantly, we are to have hope. It's easy to kind of give in to despair and hopelessness when we see so many things going wrong and see divisiveness and and pain and hurt and frustration and anger and hostility. We are to be people of hope because our God is sovereign, because our God is good, and because our God is loving. The scripture tells us that we know that the troubles of this world will not last and that one day Christ will return and make all things right. So let's be people of hope and of love and of prayer during this time. Now, today is July 10th, and it's the start of a new season. It's not officially a new season, but it kind of unofficially is. Summer sports are drawing to a close. Uh, Vacation Bible school is done. Uh, A lot of summer classes are ending. Harvest is finished. And summer sports are coming to a conclusion. It's the start of an opportunity, a three or four week opportunity window where people can go on vacation, right? If you have kids, you have commitments, you know, if you're a farmer, hopefully maybe you can get away for a week or two. And, and we get excited about that. We pack up our minivans, our SUVs, our cars. We head west to the mountains of Colorado, cooler temperatures, or perhaps we head north to the lakes of Minnesota. Regardless, we, we, we all love to get away and we have this destination in mind and we get excited about it and we plan the trips, the things we're going to do, the hikes we're going to do, where the places we're going to eat and things like that. Yet there's one thing that we do not get excited about vacation. You know what that is? It's what? The drive, right? Miles and miles of tedious interstate, once in a while construction, uh, unforeseen bathroom breaks. You kind of have to limit intake to certain people in the family. Um, all sorts of things that we, we are excited about the destination, about getting there, but we're not excited about having to go through the process of getting there. But it's a little bit of a, a shame because there are lessons to be learned in the journey, right? Just as there are lessons to be learned in the journey of, to our vacation destination, there are also lessons to be learned on the journey as a follower of Jesus Christ. Today we're continuing our sermon series from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And we come to the last half of chapter 3. And Paul, in this passage, speaks about this journey that we're all on. 
about trying to get to know Christ better, about trying to honor him more, about trying to serve him better in our life. And at the beginning of any journey, it's important to do what? To know where you're going, but also to know where you're starting, right? One of the first things you do when you go onto Google Maps is you have to put in where you're beginning, where you're, you're the point of departure. And the same is true spiritually. Paul's on this journey to follow Christ, and Paul knows very, very well where he stands. His assessment is he's not there yet. He, he's not arrived. He, he's not a finished product. It says in verse 12, not that I have already attained all this or have been made perfect. Paul begins his journey following Christ by acknowledging and saying that he's not done yet. He's not a completed process, a person, that he's not perfect. And in the process of these verses, he also talks about some of the things that can be a distraction, that can be a, a, a side trip, a detour that could keep him from becoming the person that God has called him to be. What are those things and how do they apply to us? Well, I would say that the same things that Paul struggled with when he was journeying following Christ 2,000 years ago are the same things that we can struggle with as well. And so in this passage, Paul identifies three things from which we need to free ourselves on our journey towards Christ. First, we are to free ourselves from the bad things done to us. We are to get free from the bad things that we have done are we to get free from the good things we have done? Let me explain. We'll start with the first one. Look at verse 12 again. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As you notice the word forget, uh, the word forget is a little bit of an unusual word for Paul to use. Much of Paul's writing is actually to remind us of things, to help us, to encourage us to remember certain things. He'll say something like, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. This is who Jesus Christ is. This is what the scripture says about this or that. This is what Jesus taught. This is who you are in Christ, etc., etc., so remembering for Paul is a, a very prominent theme. In fact, it's a biblical theme. Forgetting isn't. The words remind and memory or remember are used three to four times more in the scriptures than the words forget. So why would the man, Paul, who reminds people of the great acts of God over and over and over in Christ Jesus, ask them to forget something? When Paul speaks of forgetting what's behind, he cannot mean that you should forget everything, right, in your past. But what is it that you should forget and why? Let me put it to you in very personal terms. As you look back over this past year or maybe this past month or past week, what is it that you need to forget? What is it that you need to put behind you to help your journey with Christ? Some of you, for example, may have suffered enormously in your life and you carry scars from your past that are too personal to share. But those, those scars and those memories control your life. They hang over you. They, they weigh you down. You tend to react or, or act in certain ways because of those memories that, that kind of drive you. They're a recurring tape that you play over and over in your mind. 
And those things, Paul says, we need to be able to put behind us so that we can move forward. Pastor Bev Savage writes about the power a painful past can have on us. Savage writes, I once watched part of a television documentary about some men in the remote part of the world testing the strength of their horses. This was their way of showing the great prowess they possessed as trainers. They harnessed their horses to a heavily loaded cart, locked the wheels in place, and proceeded to whip the horses. The horse that pulled the cart the furthest won the prize as the strongest horse in the competition. Some of the horses actually strained to to such an extent that they were destroyed in the process and had to be put down. It was a brutal and vicious process, all for the pride of the owners. Savage continues, as I watched the documentary, I remember the faces of people I'd known and had worked with over the years. They were people I had pastored and had the privilege of being alongside. I pictured them as people harnessed to the past of a brutal father or mother or husband, of their upbringing, of their deprivation and youth and so on. And they were harnessed to the past, struggling to get out of that harness and move forward. They entered every new year with an unbearable load of shame, regret, anger and sadness. Paul could have been stuck like that. He could have been enslaved by the things that people had done to him, the the hurts that had been inflicted on him over the years. We know from Scripture that there are some believers who betrayed him and hurt him. We know from Scripture he would go into cities and towns, and on a couple of occasions he was beaten and flogged and left for dead. We know that he was imprisoned multiple times. We know that when he was away, some of the churches seemed to fall prey to the, the latest and greatest false teaching that came along. He had every reason to look back on his past and feel that he had somehow suffered at the hands of other people. But the great thing about Paul is that he wasn't trapped by those memories. You might be saying today, I come from this background, from this marriage that's fallen apart, from this childhood, and I want to be free from my past. But how do I? I I want to forget, but I can't. Well, this same man, Paul, who wrote the words forgetting the past, wrote this as well in 1 Corinthians 13. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus puts it more radically than Paul. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you and despitefully use you. It's hard to give forgiveness, to offer forgiveness. But the alternative is that hard and bitter and angry and hostile and frustrated and stagnant heart. Forgiveness leads to freedom. It lightens our load. It sets us free from what the other person has done to us. And when we demonstrate, when we offer forgiveness, we demonstrate who our Father in Heaven is by loving those who hurt us. And so if we want to move forward in our journey toward following Christ more, We must get free from the memory of what has been done to us in the past. Some of you might be saying something like this. Well, it isn't what's done to me that bothers me. It's what I have done to others that's holding me back. Again, we turn to Paul's life. Paul knew what it was to do terrible things. Remember his story? Before Paul... Before Paul followed Christ and met him on the Damascus Road, Paul was known as Saul, and Saul did some horrible things. He hated the church. He hated followers of Christ. He sought them out. He persecuted them actively. 
The Bible tells us in Acts 7 that Saul was there when the disciple Stephen was stoned to death and that he approved of it, that he was an accomplice to that murder. We know he had a reputation for doing bad things to Christians because after his conversion, the church wanted nothing to do with him. They did not trust him until God showed them that he had changed and they could trust him. So Paul knew what it was to to carry around memories of having done terrible things to other people. We need to get free from the memory of the bad we have done. We have an enemy, the devil, who successfully accuses us of these things to hold us back, to get us stuck, to enslave us. But let me ask you this. Have you confessed your sins? Because if you have, Christ has forgiven it. So why are you still hanging on to it? Yes, we are called to make restitution. Yes, we are to see change in our lives. Yes, we are to not do the things we've done before that have hurt others. But the Bible is very clear. If we confess our sins, that Jesus Christ will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. I think sometimes the problem can be that we have a perverse kind of pride where where we say, well, they've done the same thing I've done, but they can be forgiven. But what I have done can't be forgiven because I should have known better. I, I'm a better person than that person. I should have known better, and I, and I did it anyway. Sometimes carrying around guilt from the past for the things we've done can be a, a perverse sort of pride, thinking that what God has done for us isn't enough through Christ Jesus. It is for everybody else, but not for me. I came across this quote from A.W. Tozer where he writes, Self-derogation is bad for the reason that self must be, there der- must be there to derogate. Self, whether swaggering or groveling, can never be anything but repulsive to God. Boasting is an evidence that we're pleased with ourselves. Belittling ourselves that we're disappointed in ourselves. Either way, we reveal that we have a high opinion of ourselves. We can find freedom from the past that, things that we've done, obviously first through faith in Christ, for, through his forgiveness and his work on the cross, and by acknowledging what God's word says about us, that we're sinners that are saved by grace, and that Jesus' work on the cross is enough to cleanse me from whatever I have done. And so if we want to move on our journey forward, on our journey toward becoming more like Christ, towards following him more completely, We must get free not only from the bad things that have been done to us, but also the bad things that we have done. Lastly, this may sound a little bit odd, but Paul stresses that we must sometimes free ourselves from the memory of the good things that we have done. In the first part of chapter 3, Paul lists his pedigree. He says, if anybody has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He talks about his birth. He talks about his education. He talks about his upbringing. He talks about his religious and righteous acts. But then just a little bit later in the chapter, Paul says that all the good things that he's done, all the things on his resume that he could brag about, he says all of it's rubbish. Paul's attitude is this. I put no confidence in my flesh. I put all my confidence only and solely in Jesus Christ. You know, when we contend to 
the very human tendency to put our, our, our trust and our confidence in the good things that we've done or who we think we are, it can be a real barrier in our growth with Christ. And so if we want to move forward in our journey with Christ, we must put behind us even the good things that we've done and focus solely and primarily on the good things that Christ has done for us on the cross. That's what we celebrate when we come to the table in just a minute. We come to the table in humility. We don't come to the table saying, remembering the good things that we've done. We don't come to the table remembering the good things that we have done for others. We come to the table remembering what God has done for us. We come to the table remembering that Jesus Christ has paid it all. And we come to the table remembering that the bad things that we've done can be forgiven. And the bad things that have been done to us, we can find freedom and release and peace from those things. And we come to the table remembering that even the good things that we've done are simply to be a response to what God has done for us through Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's bow in a word of prayer as we prepare for the table. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that we would be people who, who put the past behind us, whether it's past hurt that we've received or given, uh, and that we would not focus on even the good things that we've done, but rather focus on Jesus Christ, that we'd keep our eyes on him and him alone, that we would acknowledge that we are sinners saved by grace and grace alone. We thank you, Lord, for loving us, and we thank you that we can be set free as we fix our eyes on Jesus. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.